0: Welcome back, everybody. You just heard the sounds of Bruce Springsteen. Glory days. Spring is behind us, Steve. And we are moving on to first the Futures games and then the regular season. What a spring this was.
1: It was an amazing spring. And, you know, we, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks on the Phillies Nation podcast. But the, the fans in Clearwater have been great. The anticipation of a new season is just around in the the fans are not thinking this is a team that's going to be 72 and 90 or, or 65 and you know 65 wins and and you know 97 losses that this is a team that's on the move they're on the rebuild and people are excited
0: yeah i mean this team finished 15 10 and 2 uh which of course would put them at Sixty percent, point six zero zero winning percentage, good for ninety seven wins in the regular season. I'm sure we can all expect that and mark that down. But I'm in, yeah, I'm buying that one. Well, right there's, but there's so there's so much good. Um, you know, you look down at the leaders in the with the Phillies among the stats. I mean, you know, when you have when you have a guy like Odubel Herrera hit three ninety five. If you when you have you know Cesar Hernandez hit over three hundred, well over three hundred. Um, when you have a guy like Tyler Goodell come in and kind of earn his job, not just get his job because he's a rule five guy, you know, those are exciting things. Vince Velasquez, uh, he wins the fifth starter spot, uh, just magical dazzling strikeout stuff from him. And you start to see some of this potential and you start to get excited because, you know, the guys who you're hoping to see growth from seem to have grown a little bit in this one month.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. And, Everybody knows that this team is not going to win the World Series. We're not going to get a hundred wins. You know, the the, the chance of being five hundred is so minimal. But they see these young players giving their heart out every every game, even in spring training, and and I think it it shows a lot of enthusiasm to you know from the players to the fans, and they know that this is the beginning of something big. We were all there. Years ago when the Utley's and the Victorino's and the Reese's and the Howard's were all coming up and, you know, we got excited because we knew it was right around the corner. And then, but, you know, I've lived through these rebuilds before and, you know, they're painful and they're sometimes frustrating, yeah. but this one doesn't feel like a rebuild. This feels like. You're watching the, the future of the Philadelphia Phillies, and we're just giving it to you a few years early. We might not win all nine innings, but we eventually are going to win some championships.
0: Championships! Wow. So, and I think I I think I realized why it feels different for me. Um, you know, even growing up, the when Scott Rowland came up, he won Rookie of the Year in 1997. Um, there wasn't the battery behind him of top prospects. You know, Scott Rowland definitely considered a top prospect at the time that he got called up. But then you had guys like Kevin Sefsick, Kevin Jordan, Wayne Gomes, uh, you know, just a long list of guys that, you know, had some some sort of potential but weren't really recognized as, as top prospects in the eyes of baseball evaluators. This feels a little bit different because you... It's almost like the lottery. Eventually if you if you buy enough tickets, you'll eventually win. <laughs> uh, or at least that's what my compulsive gambling grandfather used to say. And they have <laughs> they have so many lottery tickets right now and so many different ways to get better and to kind of sift through talent. Some of the like you know, the names that they acquired in the Cole Hamels deal, Jake Thompson, uh, Nick Williams, those you know that pilot guys and then the guys in the Giles deal. I mean, uh Olberhosler probably won't be a star in the major leagues, but Vince Vince Velasquez might. I mean, it, Mark Appel has some potential to turn that into, you know, a a starter on a major league team. So there's a lot of great names and, and there's a lot of optimism. And and really it, it gets me excited because obviously they're 60 60% winning percentage in the spring. That's great. But um uh, you know, I know deep down they're not going to win 60% of the games. I know they're probably going to struggle to win 40%. But there's there's hope and there's seeds planted there. Uh, which brings me to my first question for you, Steve. Uh, since our last episode, Pete McKinnon was extended. He was extended through the 2017 season with an option for the 2018 season. Uh, do you think he's the right guy to lead the team as currently constructed? And do you think that they might bring in somebody different once the top prospects start to mature yeah you know,
1: that, that's a, that's a great question now the players seem to really like playing under McCannon and he's way different of a manager than Ryan Sandberg was and that pains me to say because I'm the biggest Sandberg fan ever but McCannon is not not to say that he's a Joe Madden but the players respect him and he lets the players you know, be the players and he really wants to work on the fundamentals, the speed, because, it, you know, he felt like we weren't going to hit a lot of home runs this year. Right. So let's go with speed and defense. And then they were unloading all, all spring. Right. So I definitely see, I see it a lot of, you know, not a lot of Charlie manual in it, but uh, Charlie Manuel esque, meaning that they let Charlie be the guy to steer the ship into, to, you know, from what Larry Boa basically started, but it was it was Charlie Manuel that got them to the the next level. And I I, I think that's what we're seeing here. I see I see that they're back in mechanic, giving them that extension showed a, a real real uh extension of faith in him and and Mm. i like it i i I think mccannon's done a great job and he's going to continue to do a great job as as these guys get better and better every day
0: yeah what what i really like about mccannon is when he talks to the media there's a sense that he's already communicated with the players that he's being asked about what he's about to say and one thing that bothered me with ryan sandberg is that it seemed to be news to the players once Ryan Sandberg was asked about the player themselves and it would come out in the media. So, you know, for instance, if, if Ryan Sandberg had said something, I can't think of a great example off the top of my head, but let's say he was asked about Jonathan Papelbon. It always seemed like news to Papelbon when the quote eventually got back to Sandberg. On the contrary, um, there are situations specifically. I'm thinking of Cedric Hunter with, uh, Pete McCannon that McCannon has come out and said, yeah, I spoke to Cedric, you know, Cedric a lot, We've talked about his role in this team. You know, he's been swinging the bat with the best out of anybody that I've seen. Um, You know, we're hoping that he continues that. And, you know, we hope that, that he leaves camp with us. So every time McCannon speaks to the media, it seems like his house is in order. It seems like he's communicating a lot, which I think is very important for a young team and team and a team with veterans that, you know, might be here to start the season and might move on at the end of the season. And one of those guys is Jeremy Hellickson. Now, while we were out as well, in between episodes, he was named the opening day starter, which I think was my pick at the beginning. But I started to shift a little bit, thinking they might go in a different direction. What do you have any problem with that? Because he's he doesn't seem to be in the Phillies' future plans, like a guy like Nola or even Velasquez. I know both are super young, and, and Helixson has has some miles on him, but you know. It seems like that's kind of an honor, and it seems when Brett Myers was the opening day starter or Cole Hamels that they were doing that to kind of groom the guy as the face of the franchise. And I feel like Hellickson might might not be here for even longer than this year.
1: Yeah, see, I think there's two ways to look at that one. Hellickson being the veteran, and they could be like just throwing a nod to him, saying, "Hey, man, this is you. You put in some time, so we're going to give you the opening day nod." I see it as they're hoping this guy gets out of the gate and does well, you know, some a 3 ERA for for God's sake or something to where in late July he's going to become a piece and then they mm. could say like well look, you got to give us this guy and this guy because this was our opening day starter. You know, he he's a big star for us. Whereas I believe that as much as I would, you know, the fan and me wanted to see Nola get the opening day nod, um I believe that that'll come next year and then that'll basically be the this is where we're at. Nola is the number one guy. He's the new Cole Hamels. And the wait, you know, we had to wait for Cole Hamels to be that number one guy a little bit longer than we probably wanted to. Right. But Helixson is I, – I definitely see Helixson only being here until late July. And I've said it a couple weeks now. I, I believe Freddie Galvis will be here uh, only until late July if he's kicking some butt and also Crawford's kicking some butt in Lehigh Valley.
0: Yeah, and, you know, with the pitching situation too – they have so many arms that again, it's like the lottery ticket situation. There's going to be so many at at Triple A Lehigh Valley, so many at AA A uh, Reading that one of those arms will be ready at some point. You know, at some point in soon, one of those guys uh, is likely Adam Morgan. Adam Morgan uh, was the last starting pitcher reassigned. He was optioned to Triple A Lehigh Valley. And it caught some people by surprise. It sparked a lot of Twitter debate um, that Vince Velasquez, Vinny from Philly, as he wants (laughs) to be known, uh, was named the fifth starter. Uh, What's interesting is that folks were comparing their spring training sample size at the time that the move was made. Uh, At the time, Adam Morgan only had nine spring training innings and uh, Vinny from Philly had 14. Uh, Velasquez actually went out that day and, and pitched, you know, I believe he had eight strikeouts. And uh, he kind of closed the door on that on that book. But it's it's interesting because, you know, I think Morgan is good insurance. Uh, But another thing, like if you compare their stats from even last year in the majors, don't forget Velasquez was in the majors and he pitched slightly better uh, head to head against, you know, comparing his stats out of Morgan. So, you know, they'll have Morgan. They'll have guys. I don't know if Jake Thompson will be ready by the end of this year, but Zach Eflin might. You know, and, and they have a whole, whole slew of folks that should be ready, you know, come, you know, come May or June or July when there's an injury, which is a refreshing feeling considering that it wasn't that long ago that Roberto Hernandez was one of our options or Kevin, All right. yeah, or Kevin Correa or, you know, just the names. And, uh,
1: <laughs> well, I, I see Adam Morgan as being a guy that's going to come up eventually and. Um, really, really do well, and I think putting him in the Falle is going to get him some innings. You know, uh, a way for him to get out the the kinks a little bit. Not that he has a lot of them. And and once again, I see whether it be Charlie Morton, whether it be Hellickson, these guys are showcases to get some more talent into these uh, into these coffers that the the front office has been you know just stockpiling prospects so you know and hey think about it we're, we're only a year away from joey bats coming to philadelphia so you know we need a couple other pieces in here so
0: we're we're doing well or or if you listen to the uh the podcast we have with dan Zimborski, he says that why not bryce harper after 2018 so and he was dead serious I, I asked him afterwards he said you know essentially the phillies the phillies have money or will have money Bryce Harper is going to want money. Why not? So <laughs> I, you know, and that's a, that's crazy
1: to think of, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I would prefer Joey bats, you know, wow. because you could put him at first base. I know he's 35, you, but you could eventually put him at first base. I think he's a Philly type of player that the fans would just love him. You know, you listen to interviews. He, he just seems like he just loves the game of professional baseball and where Bryce Harper to me just he stinks of New York Yankee, oh. and I, I, yeah, we're, I think we we will definitely see Harper in a uh, in a Yankees uniform.
0: Yeah, that I, I mean that's I think what a lot of people are saying because if there's one team with money, uh, you have to think one A is the New York Yankees, and then one B maybe Los Angeles Dodgers who've just been you know almost like the U S government. It seems like they're deficit spending at this point, <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting to watch. I, I just want to touch on, you mentioned Charlie Morton. Um, I'm kind of confused. Not that Velasquez was chosen over Morgan. I'm confused that Morton was chosen over Morgan. And I'll, I'll say this real quick. And then, cause I don't want to dwell on Charlie Morton the whole year, but It's going to bother me. (laughs) The big, the big selling point with Charlie Morton is the fact that he had the second most ground balls over the last three years only to Dallas Keuchel, right? That that's the big selling point. What nobody, what everybody neglects to mention is that on balls in play, he has one of the, one of the higher batting averages on balls in play among starting pitchers. It was three twelve over that time period. So, Anytime for listeners who might not be familiar with BABIP, as they call it, batting average on balls in play, essentially that measures when the ball is put in play, how often does the hitter get a hit? So it's a little different than batting average against. And against Morton, they're hitting 312 on balls that are put in play. If he's getting ground balls, that means... These ground balls are relatively solid contact, and they're leaving the infield. Yeah, they're getting,
1: they're getting between the shortstop and third baseman,
0: yeah. Yeah, and, and it doesn't make sense to have a guy like that on a team that isn't particularly known for its defense. Now, Galvis has a little bit of a pedigree. I actually like Franco's lateral movement, side-to-side movement. I think he has a better glove than he's given credit for. I think he has softer hands than he's given credit for. But Cesar Hernandez is no whiz at second base. Ryan Howard and and Darren Ruff aren't whizzes at first base. The Phillies have no defensive advantage and are likely going to be one of the worst defensive teams in baseball, especially in the infield. I think they've improved in the outfield. I think, you know, know, Herrera with another year under his belt. Borges should be better than he was now that he's healthy. Goodell might be tricky because it's only his second year as an outfielder, but... I don't get it. I don't get why you'd, you'd invest in a ground ball pitcher when you don't have the defense to stop the ground balls. And a guy who was playing with a pretty decent defense in Pittsburgh uh, who gives up ground balls that get through the infield for hits. I, it it doesn't make sense
1: to me. It is it is a little mind-blowing. And once again, just like Helixson, I can only think that they're hoping that Morton gets off to a – a torrid pace does well and we can flip him. I just don't see it either. I, he had pitched one of the games that I was down for at, at spring training. And there was a lot of three, one three Oh, you know, he, he was always fighting from underneath and it was sad to see because before we do it, it was for nothing. And right. I'm thinking, Oh man. And, and luckily the bats came alive, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe maybe Morton's on a short leash for all we know, and they know that it, it's only going to take a, a matter of bad starts before they call up Adam Morgan.
0: Yeah, it, well, it, it's interesting to me too, because Morton, it's tough to explain looking at his stats. Um, if you take the standard deviation of his stats, he's wildly variable. And I know that that's statistically mumbo-jumbo, to a lot of folks, myself included, but you don't know which Charlie Morton you're going to get from year to year either. So, you know, we're saying that it's 312 batting average on balls and play, but he's had seasons well above that. And he's had seasons where he's walked three batters per nine innings pitch. So he's walking a guy every, you know, third inning. Um, he's had years where he struck out seven batters for every nine innings pitch. So then he's had years where he's only struck out, you know, five. So, he's a guy who you don't even know if you're going to get the best version of him or the the middle version of him each time he's out there. Uh, you know, he's only signed. I'm looking at the contract listed right now. He's only signed for this year guaranteed at 8 million. He does have a mutual option for 9.5 million next year. I know starting pitching is scarce, but you know, here's a guy that I just don't know. Like I, I don't understand how he fits into the puzzle. I think you're right, Steve. I think he's going to be the guy that they try and maybe flip for something. And the only other piece of news that, you know, in this uh, turbulent time, as we're coming to the end of spring training there, the big news, they did sign an outfielder. The Phillies signed an outfielder, Will Venable. And I know that created quite a level of excitement with you, Steve. Yeah, it's it's one of those moves that I said,
1: man, Will Venable, but we got rid of Ben Revere. Like, I, I just see... You know, maybe I'm wrong. I I might be wrong, and I I don't want to be. I just don't see where he's going to fit in because I I like what we have, and if we're going to upgrade... Granted, he was signed to a minor league deal, Mm -hmm. and I imagine he's going to make the team if they haven't announced it yet. I just don't see where he's going to help. He's not a power guy, so... You know, we already have Borges and Herrera and, and Gadel and we don't have really any power in in the in the outfield. And that, that bothers me because I believe, and I granted we it's been pushed aside as falsies about protection, but I do believe mm-hmm. in protection. I believe that Franco needs at, at least somebody that you don't want to pitch to, so that. You know, he can he can hit or the next guy can hit. Darren Ruff is not scary to me. Uh, uh, Ryan Howard is not scary to me. Nobody in our outfield is scary to me, and either is Will Venable. So unless we are hoping to hit the ball on the ground and steal second and third, I, I just yeah. I don't I don't get it. And maybe he's going to be good for the development of our young outfield, but – I don't know. I mean, he's been in San Diego so long. I don't know what his reputation is of, you know, being a uh, a veteran that helps out.
0: Yeah, he's a guy, he's going to be 30, he's going to be his age 33 season this year. And, you know, looking at his stats, there's one year that jumps out. In 2013, he had 22 home runs, had 22 steals. Uh, he had a career high and slugging percentage of 484. Interestingly enough his on-base was below his career average that year so something wacky happened there but that was easily his best year and that was with the Padres and he hit 22 home runs admittedly in a in a ballpark that suppresses home runs at Petco but you look at the year after 2014 stayed relatively as healthy got relatively as many opportunities batting average drops 44 points uh, on-base percentage drops 24 points Slugging drops over a hundred and yeah fifty nine points. So I mean, talk about Jekyll and Hyde with Venable. He's a guy who's thirty three. That doesn't seem, you know, if that is that a trend? Does it become a trend? Well, in twenty fifteen, he hit a lot closer to what he hit in twenty fourteen rather than twenty thirteen. So it seems like he's trending downward. The thing I I don't get is that he is a left handed hitter. And we talked earlier about Cedric Hunter. And Cedric Hunter is actually a lefty as well. So I would have thought they would have went out and got a, a right-handed batter, a right-handed outfielder, just to kind of complement the situation to have maybe a lefty and a righty on the bench. Now, as we're recording this, they have not announced which outfielders have made the team. So there is an opportunity that, or there is a chance that, you know, Hunter and Venable make the team. There's also a chance that maybe Hunter and uh, Emmanuel Burris make the team. Burris is being listed as an outfielder um, and has played some outfield in spring training. He's only played four major league games there, though. So that's that's not a real great option either. No. Um, so, you know, while I'm very excited about the starting outfield, the, the depth beyond, you know, beyond Borges and, and, Herrera and Goodell really kind of is scary at this point, and I was looking through rose-colored glasses a lot in spring when everything was moving along well. But you know that that loss of Altair is and looking like it's going to hurt him right now. It does,
1: it does, and you know I'm still mad at Altair, but I'll get over it. In the case of he could if, if hit you're... home runs, <laughs> right. I'm I'm trying to think who is out there that could be a bat, you know, a power bat that the Phillies, you know, could need. And granted, you know, outfield help is what we're needing. If you're going to give Venable a minor league deal, why, why not go after Nick Swisher? You know, at least, you know, Swisher's got a personality. He can play some right field. He's not going to cost you much because, um, you know, he just got released a $15 million contract that, you know, is being paid by I want to say the Braves
0: and Indians. Am I am I right? I I think both teams do have a stake in that contract at this point. Yep. Right. So w-
1: you're only going to pay him the league minimum. Why Why not take a chance on Nick Swisher and hope that you know he he finds something. He finds some passion. He but. I just don't know. Like, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. And only time will tell. Yeah. But I don't know if I want Will Venable getting at bats that Cedric Hunter should get.
0: Yeah, because at least, you know, Hunter's four or five years younger than, than Venable. And, you know, Jason War spoiled us because in the back of my mind, every time I see a former top prospect who's kind of fizzled out, who's only 27 or 28, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man remember when Jason Wirth did that at age 28 and he turned around and he came up and he finally stuck with the Phillies. So, so for me, and he, I I start to salivate when I see these former top prospect guys, Corey Patterson is another guy a couple of years ago where his former number one prospect didn't put it together. And then all of a sudden he had that one great year in Baltimore where he just went, you know, went off and he hit Homer, stole bases, and then he disappeared again. But yeah. so those guys get me excited. and And at least with Hunter, um, if you give Hunter the at-bats, I think that I, I'm with you. I think that's a little more valuable than a guy like Venable. Venable has a little bit of speed. He he plays okay defense, probably a little bit better than Hunter. Um, and the other, the odd man out at this point is David Lowe, who got reassigned, obviously. David Lowe, um, he ended up cooling off considerably down the stretch in, in spring training. And that one kind of didn't surprise me once once he cooled off as much as he did. Yeah,
1: that one didn't surprise me at all either. But that's not to say that he won't be back because I, I like him. I, I do. Yeah, And, um, you know, injuries are going to happen. Guys are going to go through bad spells. And I think with a lot of these young guys with the options, you know, you, you can drop them down the Lehigh Valley, bring somebody back up, and you know, it gives them a little bit of flexibility. Whereas Venable is not going to be flexible. You know, how long is he going to be able to stick around? If he doesn't make the team, you know, is he going to go to high Valley or is he going to try and catch on somewhere else?
0: Yeah. And the, the early report I saw said that, that he was amicable to doing that, uh, or amenable rather. So, you know, that, that's an interesting situation that'll probably clear itself in a few days, uh, as will the bullpen. So the bullpen (laughs) right now is rumor, you know, prognostications coming out as we see the, the cuts happening, Starting to take shape a little bit. David Hernandez, uh Dalier henosa uh Brett Oberholzer, Yenmar Gomez, Daniel Stumpf, the rule five pick, and Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how to say that correctly. I don't I either, say either, wrong. but I like saying it. Yeah, apparently you're not supposed to say the F, and I always go in for the hard F. and uh James Russell, uh the the veteran lefty. It looks like they're going to roll with three lefties, and none of which are named Bobby Laframbois. I'm a little disappointed. Oh, I
1: know Laframbois.
0: <laughs> I, I, I want to, I want to see him come be
1: a part of this team. So
0: yeah, oh. and he got you know he got sent down the other day. Um, but man, and it looks like there's no clear closer. Pete McCannon told reporters yesterday that um, or on Tuesday that there's nobody's officially going to be named the closer. Looks like a closer by committee. Is there anybody that jumps out to you that out of this group? And you know, keep in oh. mind, uh, Bailey, Fury, and uh, Neris are still kicking around camp, and they seem to have a shot at that last, last spot. I think Bailey's even money to, do, to be that guy, but mm-hmm. I
1: don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that they're going to worry about this year. I, I, granted, closer by committee is not a, a popular thing. But you know what, what's it going to, I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw a little thing at you here. Okay. What if we don't use any of those guys? What if we talk to Tim Lincecum about being a closer? Could you see the freak in, in a Phillies uniform throwing in the ninth inning?
0: I've never thought about it, but um, man, you blew my mind last week with the Batista thing. And now Tim linsick Let me take a look at his splits last year. I, I mean,
1: yeah, right? It's, it's something. Think about it. You know, Brett Myers went to the bullpen. John Smoltz went to the bullpen. This could be a whole change of scenery. I mean, going from San Francisco to Philadelphia, and then in a closing role. Say, say even if you gave him hmm, two years an option at minimal money and you you fill it full of incentives and stuff like that lincecum at 32 years old could be a closer that you could build around whereas these young arms that are coming up have no pressure you know the 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 starters can get us to the sixth then the seven eight lincecum comes in in the ninth he makes it pretty exciting (laughs) and we go from there but You know, money is telling us that they're not going to need that a closer that much this year. This is something he could learn, and by years two and three, could be as this team builds momentum, we could we could be seeing something huge. Well, I'm
0: gonna, I'll just throw this number out for you. When when Tim Lincecum first came into baseball in in 2007, Major League Baseball, he was throwing 94 uh, miles an hour on average, 94.2. Last year, he was throwing 87.2. Um, each of the years he's been in baseball, that number on his fastball has dropped every year. His average fastball, his slider has dropped even more. Uh, he's become more reliant on his curveball. I Just by looking at these numbers real quick, I don't think it's a good fit just because I think you need that strikeout potential and that strikeout power. I don't see Lincecum having that anymore. He only had 60 strikeouts and 15 starts last year. I'm going to throw a name out there. You mentioned Ben Revere earlier, and I'm going to throw a name out that is related to Ben Revere, and that's Jimmy Cordero. And Jimmy Cordero is a guy that is able to hit over 100 on the radar gun. He did it a couple times last year in Redding. He did it, you know, everywhere he's played. He's a guy that can throw flames, and right now he's he's rehabbing a bicep strain, but he's a guy that, he you know, he pitched in one spring training game. So he's he is back. I think eventually he's 24 years old. I could see him up by the end of the year, closing games for the Phillies. I mean, he just throws gas. Um, he was in the Dominican Winter League this year. He uh, closed out 10 games or he, he completed, you know, he pitched in 10 games rather. Uh, 1.93 ERA last year at Reading, 2.12. He just throws gas, gas, gas. If he can develop a slightly above average secondary pitch, I think he's your closer by the end of the year. And I I don't know that that's as far-fetched as anybody thinks it is because, like you said, it's wide open. It's to the point where they're still looking for somebody who might just be floating around as somebody that might fill out the bullpen.
1: Yeah, and I, I saw him pitch in Clearwater and I was amazed at how good he was. Man, I, I didn't even think of him. Yeah,
0: yeah. he's kind of, well, a lot of people were excited about him coming into camp. A lot of people talked about possibly him breaking camp with the team, uh, but he ran into the bicep thing and he did come back and he he pitched in Clearwater a little bit. Uh, one game, the game you, <laughs> you were at, of course, and he, uh, yeah, I think he's a guy that, that's got a shot by the end of the year to take the closer job and just just run with it. And he could be the closer of the future. But it's going to be a tedious process because Ken Giles went through the same thing, right? He, guy could throw over 100 miles an hour, had to develop the secondary pitches, the secondary approach. It uh, becomes a little bit more difficult each time you go up the ladder in the minor leagues. So if Cordero does well in Lehigh Valley and there's no closer in Philadelphia or no established closer, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, If Jimmy, Jimmy Cordero becomes the closer until then, uh, I'm going to have to say, man, out of these guys, would you go, would you go situational? Like, would, I mean,
1: I would, I I mean, I would for right now go situational, but you know, that's, I don't, I don't know if that's something that they're going to want to do. And because I guess it's proven that it, it doesn't work, but who knows? We could start something new. It could be a, a, whole, a whole brand new thing. <laughs> well, I, I sit to me right now. Situational is the way to go.
0: Yeah. I could see everybody, but maybe Oberholzer, stump and yeah, maybe just those two, maybe the, those are the only two that I could see not being part of the situation. Uh, the final spot, the final bullpen spot still available. The three names that are being bandied around the most by the beat writers are Andrew Bailey, Ernesto Frieri, and Hector Neris. Um, Bailey, two-time all-star, former all-star Fieri has some closer experience. Neris, uh, it's going to be age 27 season. This season, uh, made his debut last year, a major league debut. I don't, man, none of these three guys are really inspiring either. Bailey shot out of the gate real fast in spring, and then he's crashed back down to earth. He gave it the run today in the 8-4 to win. Um, made things complicated after a great Phillies comeback. Uh, gun to my head, I you know, I guess Bailey, because Neris has options, and Fieri's look bad. So, I don't know who you got, Steve, out of those three. I,
1: I'm, go- I'm going Bailey for right now. I think it's his job to lose, but, you know we'll see what happens you know april could be a very interesting month to lead into may may could be totally different than april and we'll go from there and i think that's what makes this so much fun this is i you know i i love i i love the the possibilities and we don't really know what's going to happen here or well you know we do know what's going to happen here i love it
0: yeah and and uh of course one of the ways that that we've been playing along is we've been playing out of the park baseball 2017. Now, Steve, of course, they're one of our sponsors. The episode today is brought to you by out of the park, baseball 17, and it's available now on O O T P developments.com. It's the most authentic baseball strategy game ever made. Steve, you and I both started seasons. Uh, We went to O O T P developments.com. Use the code Philly 17 got 10% off and we started seasons. I started one with the Phillies. I like to simulate. But you like to play. You like to play the games. You can play every individual game. And how's that going for you?
1: It's it's going well. Uh, three and four right now with the the team that you know we're basically putting on the field this weekend. Um, yeah, I play every batter. So, Whoa. you know, there's a lot of good situations there. It takes about 20, 25 minutes to play a, a full game. And it's, it's amazing. And yeah, it's nerve wracking. And <laughs> you know things could go wrong. And, but it's, it's such a great game. And I, I'm so excited uh, to play it right now. And, you know, these are the greatest times, you know, baseball is here, you know, the, OOTP comes out, I get excited. It's like, I, I'm like a kid with Christmas. The MLB, the show comes out. But man, if you really want a great simulated game, you know, reality-based, it's so reality-based, and then you could be the general manager, definitely check out OOTP. It is, you're, you'll thank us. You'll thank us, and you, you'll thank us so much that the 10% that you're saving by using Philly 17, you could send to us that we will, <laughs> we will accept that. Well, we will accept c- that donation.
0: I mean, you can <laughs> you can certainly help in other ways, but ootpdevelopments uh, dot That's where you can find out of the park baseball. I started a general manager series or a general manager career. Uh, my season went seventy one and ninety one, uh, but I am a trader. I'm like Trader Jack. I traded half the team. My team is almost irrecognizable. So <laughs> Did you get Joey Bats? I didn't get Joey Bats. He's uh, he's difficult to get with the pieces the Phillies have. <laughs> Although I will say this about the uh, trade um, artificial intelligence. It's really good. It Oh, it, it sure is. It identifies needs and you'll you know, you'll be able to to make realistic trades and accurate trades. Uh, very, very good. Um, so, yeah, go to OOTPDevelopments.com. They are our sponsor, Out of the Park Baseball 17. And uh, there's some mobile versions. There's MLB Manager that's available on Apple and uh, Apple and Android. <laughs> like down there, <laughs> the competitor there. Uh, that's one way you can help out Phillies Nation. The other way, Steve, while we're at it, while we're talking about sponsors, 100 greatest Phillies of all time, I just want to say thank you Uh, To everybody that left the iTunes reviews, we asked for 15. We got 17 six days before we gave the deadline. Uh, We made the book free until April 2nd. So if you are a Kindle Lending Library member, you can get it that way. Uh, For everybody else, you can just download it. It's free. That helps us. That helps get the Phillies Nation word out. Uh, We want you to have the book for free digitally. We want you to have the free digital copy. If you like it, uh, consider write a review. Writing a review on Amazon, maybe consider getting a hard copy for your dad, your brother, your sister, your mom for a holiday. That'll help out too. Uh, but because of the fans, Steve, because of Phillies Nation, a very interesting distinction happened with the 100 Greatest Phillies of All Time, and that was the, the book went number one on the baseball paid section, uh, which. It hadn't been higher than number four when it first came out in September, uh, a few nights ago. And then the very next day, it was number one in the free section. So thank you to everybody that made that happen. It made my day, uh, made me feel awesome for the rest of the day. I felt like I could run through a wall. So we appreciate the support. Send us your feedback. If you read the list, you know, write in. Maybe that'll be the homework this week when we get to that, when we get to the homework section, Steve.
1: Yeah, you pick out your best part of the, the book and, you know, write a little report, email it to us. You know, I, I love when, when people do that. My brother-in-law got my copy and won't give it back. It's now a staple in his man cave and he's not on Facebook or Twitter or anything <laughs> like that. But he always discusses like, man, you see this book? you know, my brother-in-law's buddy wrote, you know, and he, he loves the book. He, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where I have it on my Kindle fire and he has my hard copy. So I guess he figures that he, it's all good. So oh. yeah, it, it definitely a great book, especially if you're a Phillies fan, because you know, there's a lot of Phillies books out there and they're all really, really good. But this one, you know, you, you're going to have a good time reading.
0: Oh, thank you. And, uh, You know, it'll be free until April 2nd. So if you're listening to this after April 2nd, sorry, you missed your chance. Uh, But thank you for everyone who's helped support it. It was in the top 1,000 in most downloaded books, period, on Amazon, which was shocking. I got a notification. So I'm blown away by the support. So thank you, everybody, who's taken advantage of that. If you've read it and you liked it, one way to help out is to leave a small five-star review on Amazon. It helps other Phillies fans uh, find out about the book. And uh, and it helps other fans find out about Philly's Nation. Now, some of the folks in that book have made some movements. this week, Steve. Uh, Jimmy Rollins made the Chicago White Sox, which you predicted, I believe, in week two of the podcast.
1: You you know what? I I believe that Jimmy Rollins, you know, his back was against the wall. But that's something that he was excited for, you know, just going into Chicago. He knew. Uh, especially when Ian Desmond was was not signed, that they they didn't sign him. He ended up signing with Texas. That it was Jimmy Rollins' job to lose for this year, and he's doing the the great thing. He's priming and, and coaching the the kid that's going to be the White Sox shortstop in 2017 and beyond. But you know, Jimmy Rollins once again makes a major league club. And uh, I, I'm so excited! I'm actually going to buy as soon as they come available, and I, I may go while we're all, we're still taping, <laughs> and see if I can purchase my White Sox Jimmy Rollins shirt. You know, I as we're talking, I do have my Dodgers Utley shirt on
0: because oh, you, know, wow. you you
1: always have to, uh, you know, you always got to throw that knot out to the guys that came before us. I I still don't have a Texas Hamels, you know. Uh, shirt yet, but th- that's going to be on my list: a, a, a White Sox Rollins and a, a, a Texas Hamels. You know, because I want to show my support, and I'm, I'm so excited that he made the team. Whereas another Phillies favorite of mine, he uh, being Shane Victorino, was ended mm-hmm. up being cut by the Chicago Cubs and then re-signed uh, for a A contract. Now, I'm trying to – and maybe you know more than I do about this – is a lot of these guys that are cut before the season starts, is it because of this retention fee? This is is the first time that I've read about the the retention uh, fee, and I guess it's $100,000. Now, how does that work?
0: Wow, that's a great question. So, yeah, in the case of – so the Phillies – cut and then re-signed uh, Edward Mujica, who I thought had a really good chance at making the majors with the Phillies. Um, there, so there's a great article. It's by C.J. and uh, the former major league pitcher who does some stuff with Fox Sports. And it goes into depth on the retention fee and it goes into kind of the dance that happens when signing a player to a minor league deal. And the retention fees, you know, I'm going to have to. Well, it's called an Article XXB protection, and yes. teams either have to put these players on the major league roster or release them five days prior to the season. If they do neither, they must pay the player a thousand, a hundred thousand dollar retention bonus. Uh, it's, the article says this is essentially a built-in out clause for veteran players. Uh, if you're an Article XXB free agent, you also receive an automatic June 1 out clause if you're paid the $100,000. So this is a really interesting veteran protection that it it seems to me prevents teams from just kind of signing a veteran guy just to sign him.
1: Right. It, it avoids the stringing along, right?
0: Yeah. It, so in the case of Victorino um, or even a guy like Mojica, it, it gave him the opportunity to seek out another option and he was able to kind of test the waters. Didn't like what he saw, I guess, and came back and and he resigned with the Phillies and on a kind of full minor league deal. The XXB protection is interesting. It seems like that fades away after the first minor league deal is broken, so to speak, because you're then past the five day, window before the season starts so it seems like this is the time of year that all of those players get kind of reinserted into the free agent pool if they're not going to be added to the major league roster because then the teams don't have to pay that that bonus and then other teams have the opportunity to sign them so it's interesting too because it's protecting players from being stashed away but at the same time it's also costing them a hundred thousand dollars so yeah,
1: it's 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 so interesting to see how it how it all works.
0: Yeah, so that's there's a really good article that explains kind of the whole situation and, and the life of a minor league contract. Uh, it's by C.J. Nikowski, the former pitcher. It's on uh, the Just a Bit Outside blog on Fox Sports. That's you know, I read that the other day and I pulled it right back up quick. That's an interesting situation. That's what Mejica went through. That's what Victorino went through and uh yeah i i never I didn't get that move I didn't understand why he would not only go to a team they're obviously one of the favorites to win the national league, if not the World Series, but they're a team that's stacked in the outfield and they're not stacked in the outfield with guys whose wheels might fall off they're stacked four or five deep with top <laughs> prospect outfielders and dexter Fowler so <laughs> I, I didn't get that at all. Why would you take your chance there? Right, and here's
1: here's once again a going back to Will Venable. Like we could have had Shane Victorino come back, and yeah. you know, be a he's a fan favorite. People would have bought a ticket to see Shane Victorino in in the you know the fading star of, of Shane Victorino and his smile and his, his energy and. I don't know, like, but I'm so excited that at least you know the Cubs felt good enough about him to sign him to that minor league deal. Which another minor league deal that amazed me that he could get a job was Kyle Kendrick. You know, Uh, you know, when the Braves cut you, that's bad. But you know, (laughs) now signs with the Angels. I'm thinking, what the heck, man? Like, how does this guy just? He keeps cashing a paycheck that has the N- N- MLB logo on
0: it with seven digits, no less. I mean, oh, he's right. He, I didn't want to go that far. Yeah, he made five hundred, or I'm sorry, five million five hundred thousand dollars last year to have one of the one of the worst seasons in Colorado Rockies history. So. I, yeah, he, he, he. Let's talk about their spring trainings. Kyle Kendrick, we'll start from the worst and, and move to the top out of the <laughs> Kyle Kendrick went 0 2, a 22.09 ERA and just 3.2 innings pitched. He allowed nine earned runs in less than four innings on 14 hits and three walks. Uh, His whip was over four. He minutes. was in midseason form. Yeah, we talked so much about Severino Gonzalez being in midseason form. Uh, more like Kyle Kendrick. And then, you know, so it makes sense why he didn't break camp with the, uh, with the pitching star Braves. <laughs> even yeah, and you know what? And You know what? Maybe this is a reason people are so
1: into the Phillies this year. There's really no one to hate on this team. You know, yeah. Papelbon is gone. Brett Myers is gone. Kyle K- Kendrick is gone. You know, the, any prima Donna is gone. And, you know, not to say that Kyle Kendrick is is a jerk in real life. It's just, man, did I hate him?
0: It 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 kind of stunk those years because it he was a guy. Smoke and mirrors had a really really fun rookie season <laughs> in oh seven. He he went ten and four, three eight seven ERA. Uh, he a lot of people forget because he didn't pitch in the playoffs. He started thirty games in two thousand eight. So he was almost as big as the he was a bigger part of the rotation as as any player, um, as a 23 year old on that World Series championship team. Granted, he had a 5.49 ERA, but when you, when you look, but it they around, were scoring
1: seven runs a day. You get, you know, exactly.
0: A day. I mean, everybody wants to rag on Adam Eaton on that team, but Kyle Kendrick started more games and actually arguably pitched better. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's really weird with that situation. But you know he. A bad spring. Uh, Shane Victorino, not as good either. I believe he hit 200. If we go back to Jimmy Rollins for a second, Jimmy Rollins had one of the best spring trainings in the major leagues. Four home runs, 12 RBIs, hit 341 with a 614 slugging percentage, almost an OPS of 1,000 for a 37-year-old shortstop. If that doesn't show you... You know, if that doesn't erase the perception of a guy that you know people claim didn't try or didn't hustle or whatnot, I don't know what will because you don't put up those numbers in spring training if you're not trying. <laughs> and so, you know, he obviously his back was against the wall. He knew he wanted to to win a spot on the uh, on the White Sox and beat out Tyler Saladino, but but man, he just. Yeah, he killed it in spring training. He really earned that starting shortstop gig.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I'm so I'm so happy for him. And you know, there's some guys, and I'll be the same way with Ryan Howard next year. You know, if he can catch on with the team, I'm going to be excited that he can you know, still play and still catch catch a paycheck. But you know, it, it's just it's sad also to see what happens. You know, to a player after all these times, you know, you watch them. Jimmy Rollins was an MVP. You know, he was a, you know, a guy that just electrified the city as a shortstop. And now he's fighting for a job. So, uh, you know, we go from there and it's going to be good to see, you know, that's why I love this MLB.tv package that I'll get to. Turn my TV on mute, of course, because I, <laughs> I can't stand listening to the Hawk. And, and I'm sure Ring of Honor fans say that to me. <laughs> but, um, and, and we're going to have fun this year.
0: Yeah. And, the, well, on the flip side, we talked very briefly earlier. So you have the, the former Phillies. How about the future Phillies, Steve? The future games are headed to Reading and Citizens Bank Park uh, Mar- March 31st today as we're uploading this um, Thursday, March 31st is going to be the first time the Phillies play in Reading since 2000 when the Phillies, for some reason and I'm trying to dig up more information, played a rare may game <laughs> against the Reading Phillies. They had an exhibition against their double a team in the middle of May that year, for some reason um, the roster has been released. There's a couple really fun names on the roster. So obviously the big one that jumps out JP Crawford, Jorge Alfaro, one of the pieces in the Hamels deal. Andrew Knapp. Um, you're looking down this list. Carlos Tachi. Roman Quinn, who may be the center fielder of the future. Um, looking down through the pitcher, Zach Eflin. He's he's there. Tom Wendell, who had a very nice Arizona Fall League. Mark Appel. Uh, a, couple, a name that I want to point out, though, is Angelo Mora. And Angelo Mora very quietly had an awesome year between Clearwater and Reading last year as a twenty two year old. He uh let's see, he ended up hitting three twelve with an on base of three fifty six and a small sample in Reading. He got on base at a four eleven clip. So if he's if he can continue that success, he should be in the Hall of Fame by uh by twenty thirty. But <laughs> he's a name <laughs> kind of under the radar. He's right now he's he's listed as a second baseman. Uh, he's going to have some competition in the system, though. Scott Kingery, of course, the second-round pick. And Jess Mule Valentin, Jose Valentin's nephew, I believe. Uh, he was acquired in the Roberto Hernandez deal, former first-round pick of the Dodgers. And he's actually putting up some solid numbers, too. So the future's bright. They're going to be playing the Phillies on the 31st and, I believe, on, uh, on April 2nd. I believe they, they bookend a matchup against the Orioles. So lots to look forward to there
1: oh absolutely i love the futures game because you know it's what it is it's the future of the phillies and now you know it's just that last piece to get us ready for the start of the season and i i can't i can't stress how much i how how much i am looking forward to and i believe that april is a really really big month for the Phillies. I th- it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to it's going to tell a lot about our season. People put us down, they say 67 wins or 71 wins. I think April is is the key for how this season's going to go.
0: Yeah, and looking at the schedule, a couple weeks ago you said look at the schedule and take a good look and see who the Phillies are playing. So I did. And I'm looking at it right now again and You know, we open up with the Reds, and the Reds quite possibly could be the worst team in baseball. Uh, Then the Mets, obviously, at New York. Those are going to be tough anytime you're playing the defending NL champions. You know, you don't want to take them lightly at all. Then they play the Padres at home in four very winnable games. Uh, Then they play the Nationals and Mets. They'll be tough. But then they get the Brewers. The Brewers, who very easily could also be the worst team in baseball, (laughs) Uh, they'll be right there neck and neck with the Reds and Phillies, that's for sure, and then the Nationals, and then they end the month in Cle- or with Cleveland in Philadelphia. And Cleveland could be the worst team in baseball. There's only a handful of teams that are at the bottom of the barrel in Major League Baseball. Cincinnati, San Diego, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Philadelphia are the probably the five teams in Atlanta, the six teams, that realistically probably don't have any shot at the playoffs. If they all beat up on each other, mathematically, somebody will (laughs) rise slightly higher. The Phillies, now that you mention it, have an opportunity to have a really decent month of April if they don't get kind of weighed down or swept too many times by the Mets or Nationals. I'm going to put it out here. 14 and 10. Wow. Wow.
1: That is my prediction for the Phillies in April. 14 and 10 and historically the Phillies are not a huge April team. 14 and 10 could really really shock some people, get them in the upper part of the NL East and maybe scare some teams to the point where you know the the Nationals, the Mets, the Marlins are all worried about playing the Phillies because now we've gone from Team that's trying to not lose a hundred game, uh, games. To these guys are the spoilers, and they have nothing to lose. And this is going to be really tough. And that's where mistakes are going to happen. Fourteen and ten. This this team could quietly. And I, I said it to Casey Stern. This team could quietly be eighty-one and eighty-one. One of the reasons is we, the Marlins. Are always unpredictable. The nationals are always unpredictable, and if we stay away from a fifteen or a four and fifteen record against the Mets, and we stay eight and eleven, nine and ten with the the Mets, mm-hmm. man, the the this is not as bad as people could uh, could have forecasted.
0: Well, yeah, and I I look at April, and you know it. Wouldn't surprise me terribly twelve and twelve, I get. I'd be excited. Uh and then I flip the calendar to May and <laughs> I start to shiver because looking at May, uh they end and their series with Cleveland, then they have the Cardinals, the Marlins, ooh, the Braves and Reds, and then the Marlins and the Braves. And then the Tigers, Cubs, and Nationals. So Yeah, I mean that's by the time that we get beat up by the, the, the Tigers
1: and Cubs, um, we could be doing pretty well. That we could take, you know, loss of five, or five of six, four of six, and it's still not going to hurt.
0: Well, so if we go back to April, let's let's talk about April. So you mentioned fourteen and ten. I'm going to throw a question to you: The Phillies' April will have been successful if what happens?
1: S- Successful to me is them going 12 and 12. I mean, that's very successful. That puts Mm -hmm. them on pace for 81 and 81 10 and 14. I won't be upset about Mm -hmm. if they have single digit wins at the end of April, but I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. 14 and 10 is doable and that would be a huge success. So for me, I'm going to go 11 and 13. Let's go that way. 11 and 13 and April's a success for me.
0: Okay. What about you? I'm going to look at it at the individual level. So one of the things that I really like to see, I'm very high on Oduble Herrera. I think that he's learned, he's going to learn to play the outfield even better. I'm excited about the potential he has. I think he ended the year hitting something like three thirty nine in his last x amount of games. Corey Seidman on CSN Philly and Phillies Nation also uh, wrote up a real nice piece about it. I think, I think if Odubel Herrera draws a walk, and, I, and I'm not being facetious or tongue in cheek, uh, Herrera did not walk this spring, and no. despite hitting, uh, you know, well over three hundred, well into the stratosphere, close to four hundred. He did not draw a walk. So I'm looking for, for more plate discipline out of Aduba Herrera. And, um, you know, maybe let's say Franco has five home runs. Because that would put him on pace for 25. So, yeah, let's say, let's say Franco gets five home runs, puts him on pace somewhere between 25 and 30. Those are, you know, individually that's what I'm looking for. Because I think... I won't, you know, it'll be tough to assess the pitchers. Um, I'm looking for not too many blowouts. You know, close losses are, are tough to take as fans, but I'd rather see quite a few close losses than them just getting blown out because the bullpen fell apart. So I'm looking for maybe the bullpen to to dangle in the middle half of the Major League Baseball in terms of ERA, uh, strikeouts per nine innings, pitch, maybe whip. So... What would you think, uh, April? How would you describe April as a failure? What would happen that make you consider that a failure?
1: I think if they they come out of the shoot and they're seven and seventeen mm-hmm. in April, and the starters aren't getting through five innings, I, I think that's I I can live with close losses and, and be seven and seventeen if we're not getting blown out, if we're losing right. by right. one, by two, by you know the occasional three by a, a powerhouse like you know um, New York or something like that. There is where it is. If we can be competitive and, and not get blown out, I, I really, I almost really don't care what the the record is.
0: Hmm.
1: Play competitive. I, I I think playing competitive is going to help them their their psyche for the the season two. But I, I truly believe that. People are going to be shocked that these teams in April aren't very good and we're not very good, but (laughs) we're better than the not very good. So, you know, it could be It, it could be a lot of fun.
0: It feels like a middle school dance when I was always the goofy looking kid with the braces and there was always the goofy looking girl with the braces and everybody, all the, you know, all the popular kids would dance and do the slow dance and then you look around about a minute into the song and you realize that that there was a match for you. So I I don't know. Am am I, am I off base? Is that the feeling you're getting too, that the the Brewers and and Reds and and Braves might be the the spiritual match to the Phillies this year with some potential to, uh, to be a little bit better?
1: I I I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I I I believe that it's it's you know we're throwing a lot of poop up the the, uh, against the wall and we're going to see what sticks.
0: Yeah, and and for me, I think that's the key too. I'm hoping that it does stick. I think the I think the April for the Phillies will be a failure if it doesn't get the opportunity to stick, and by that I mean injuries. So I'm looking for injuries. it's, this year's so important for development if Nola comes out of the gate and gets hurt. Um, if Vincent Velázquez who's struggled to stay healthy, let's let's hedge our bets on him. He's only pitched 150 plus innings over the last two seasons. Not very durable at this stage in his career. If he comes out of the gate with some maybe elbow tendonitis or blisters on his hand or Eikoff's thumb is hurt, it continues to bother him. That's going to be maddening to know that you have players with potential that are injured that aren't getting the opportunities with the opportunity available. So that would be a failure in April to me if, if a few of these folks got injured or even a few of the prospects that we'll see in the Futures game. Just, yeah, I mean,
1: this is going to be great. I, I, it I, is. I'm, telling you, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm excited. I'm yeah. just reading here that James Loney has been told that he will not make the Tampa Bay Rays. Is there a
0: spot oh. on this team for James Loney? No? James Loney. That's a name that popped up a lot a couple years ago. 20, yeah. 2011, 2012. Um, I... Yeah. I You know, if he... Let's look at his contract here. If he's been told he's not going to make the raise, and they cut him outright, he should be able to be signed for the minimum. It says released or traded. Yeah, why wouldn't you take a shot on Loney? A career batting average, 285. Doesn't it walk
1: a lot, but he's on base. Yeah, well, yeah it,
0: I mean, he's only he's only going to be 32. Yeah. Right?
1: He could be he could be a game changer, you know, a, a put him in that in in a spot and granted, you know, what are you going to do with Howard? Now you got two left-handed right. bats, but it's it's something that they should think about.
0: Well, and you know, he's going to be he's a guy that's better than Will Venable in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um interesting though. He's always had he's, Huh? yeah i think if he's if he's league minimum i think you give him a chance and you let you let him and venable try and fight it out these last two days and see what what shakes out but wow and he's had a good spring too 281 an okay spring the on base percent he's only walked once but yeah i i would definitely give him a shot i'd bring him in wow good catch did not see that that should be gm yeah you should well, your team would be Tim Lincecum, joey bats <laughs> james right Lyle. it'd be like the two thousand ten uh, all star team yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, right i I might be able to do some damage well and, and that's in contrast to my team who would, would all be twenty one year olds who have never <laughs> will never take <laughs> the major leagues just thrown straight into the fire, oh. so that's my strategy <laughs> and out of the park but yeah, so we're about to wrap things up, and I'm excited for the season. We'll do some final gun to the head predictions. These are for the record, and we'll review these sometime in October. So, all right, here we go, Steve. Final record for the Phillies. This is the all oh, final. Final
1: record. record: 75 and 83.
0: All right, I'm going to go with 71 and 91. Oh, you're going with your
1: OOTP
0: standings. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's going to be it. Um, where do you think they'll finish in the NL East?
1: Uh, I'm going to go fourth because I, I see the Marlins, if they have a good year, could be 500. But, yeah. I mean, they could shock some people. But, uh, you know, that pitching staff is after Fernandez. Um, I, I, I see fourth.
0: What about you? I see fourth too. I think the Braves. I think the Braves will roll over. I do. Um, oh, I do too. I, I see them at 105 losses. <laughs> I mean, it's not crazy. Have you Have you looked at that lineup? it, it, oh. might, it might regularly include Philly's legend Jeff Francoeur. So, um, and then finally, uh, boldest prediction.
1: Boldest prediction. I'm going with. Ryan Howard ends up as a New York Yankee.
0: Wow, okay. Huh. What um, do you got? That's bold. It is. I'm going to say the Phillies have two all-stars this year. And Ooh. Yeah, two. And I'm going to say McCall Franco and Odubel Herrera.
1: Wow, I see I'm with you on Franco, but Herrera that's that's a good that's bold.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I I think he'll do it. I think he's going to improve as a hitter some more. I think they've found a real diamond in the rough. If he stays healthy, I think he'll be able to do it. So but yeah. I
1: like it. I like it and I think, you know, fans of the the show should write us in, you know, whether it's on the on the Twitter mm-hmm. or or via email. Send us your thoughts. Send us where you think the Phillies are going to be. What you know, uh, where they're going to be at the division, and give us some bold predictions. We want to hear them. We'll talk about them on the air next week. And you know, get involved. You know, we're getting the the numbers. The numbers are saying that people are listening. Absolutely. We want you involved. I love it. I love it when some people are hitting me up on Twitter. You know, asking questions or giving me their opinions, and as long as they're not a Mets or a Braves fan, I'll answer from back.
0: <laughs> well, you just described Tim Hughes and Matt Sells, two of our friends uh, those from the world guys. of wrestling. <laughs> but, so Steve, this weekend you'll be in Dallas for Ring of Honor Super Card of Honor. Uh, you'll be there with your DVD, and uh, you know, if the fans want to reach out, fans of the podcast want to reach out and, and submit their homework assignments if they want to. Uh, get their dvd signed in dallas how can they how can they contact you well you can contact
1: me on the the twitter machine at king carino you can shoot me an email steve at world of carino.com or become a fan of my facebook page at facebook.com slash king carino that's three ways to get a hold of you a hold of me Unless you live in my neighborhood, and then you'll just see me moan along
0: the <laughs> Yeah, and uh, this weekend, I'll be at the Monster Factory. I'll be commentating the Monster Factory Cup. Huge weekend of pro wrestling. Of course, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor in Dallas, uh, as well as so many other events. And uh, I'll be in Paulsboro, New Jersey, calling the action for the Stars of the Monster Factory. Exciting night planned there. You can, uh, you can check that out at the mfnetwork.com. That's where that'll be. Uh, I'm at Ian Ricciabani. And Steve, it's been great talking to you. I'm really excited. This is our last podcast before the season starts. And I'm, you know, even though I said 71 and 91, I'm feeling pretty good about this season. Me too. This is the end of our preseason podcast. We we go for real next week. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this was like spring training for us, and uh, we'll come out of the gate hot next week (laughs) for our first regular (laughs) season podcast. Well, for Steve Carino, I'm Ian Riccaboni. We hope you all have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk with you next week here on the Phillies Nation podcast.